Hello, this is Washington Golf News, and I'm Tom Cade, uh, the Senior Director of Communications for Washington Golf. And joining us today is John Strawn of Portland, Oregon. John is a former, a longtime golf course architect who now uh, publishes and writes and puts out uh, golf club histories. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, Tom. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think uh, a career as a golf course architect is, uh, is, is doesn't quite state at all for you. You've had quite a history in golf course architecture. How long ago did you start in this? And let's just get right into this, who you've worked with. I, I see some big names in your biography, but I want to get through that with you. Sure. No, it's very interesting. Actually, my, my professional training, I'm actually a historian, and I was a college history teacher in my youth, in my 20s, no. uh, believe it or not. But uh, then I, uh, I wanted to be a freelance writer, and to support my habit as a freelance writer, I actually started working as a, uh, as a builder. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. I grew up around the building trades, and I knew how to handle a hammer and a nail, and so I thought, well, if I build, do little remodels and build decks and so on, I can support myself as I become a writer. Mm-hmm. And um, the business uh, of building was fun for me, but one of the guys who I worked with was a really good golfer, and he got me interested <laughs> in playing golf. So I, by my mid-30s, I started playing golf, and um, I was well, driving. Where, where was this, John? In, in this is all in Portland. This is all in oh, Portland. I okay. I grew up in Illinois, went to graduate school at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, met my wife there, who's a Portland girl. So she oh. grew up in, in Portland, went to Grant High School in the U of O, and then came out to grad school in Wisconsin. We met and married, then moved back here to Portland in 1970. Okay. So our children okay. grew up here in Portland, and, and uh, that's where we, we okay. still live. So all of this was happening in Portland. Um, and as I started learning to play golf, I, I actually went to Heron Lakes, which is then just called Delta Park, the yeah. city of Portland, Muni's, uh, up on the Columbia River. And I saw some guys out in a field with some dozers and pickup trucks, and I stopped and said, what are you doing? They said, oh, we're building a new nine holes. And this was the, the first nine of what became the, the great blue course at Heron Lakes. Mm-hmm. And I spent the afternoon talking with them and looking at plans. And, you know, as a builder, I was really interested in what they were doing. And then a couple of years later, after um, some of my writer friends in Portland signed up, got book deals through a very famous literary agent in New York named Richard Pine, and they all recommended to Richard that he talk to me. So um, I had the idea that I would write a book about the design and building of a golf course. I'd never read a book like that. There weren't any such books that I was aware of. Um, and in fact, I was, that was right. There had never been a book written about the design and building of a specific course. So I pitched that idea to Richard, and uh, this would have been in 1987, mm-hmm. and he sold the book ideas to Harper Collins, which gave me an advance and enough to be able to do the research to write the book. And you know, my first choice would have been to to do it with a Robert Trent Jones course. And I knew the name Robert Trent Jones. I didn't know the difference between Robert Trent Jones Sr. and Robert Trent Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that there was a sign on a building in Palo Alto that said Robert Trent Jones, and I mm-hmm. assumed that was uh, there was only one at that time and, and wrote a letter. This was obviously before the Internet, and emails and so on. But it turned out he wasn't interested in 
working uh, with a writer and doing a book like that. So I then uh, did some more digging around and um, was introduced to Arthur Hills in Toledo, Ohio, who had just won a couple of Golf Digest Best New Course Awards and had a huge practice in the Southeast and the Midwest. And, and he was very amenable to having me be a fly on the wall during one of his projects. So mm-hmm. starting in uh, 19... Uh, early late 1987, I started doing this this work and educating myself about golf design. I'm looking on the there's a hanging from my wall is a Harvard University Graduate School of Design Office of Special Programs certificate uh, okay. that I I have a, a certificate in golf course design from Harvard. That's much grander than it not and it sounds much grander than it is. But one of my classmates in that seminar was Jan Beljan, who's now the president of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. So anyway, it goes back to you know the the, the late 80s. I the golf course was being built in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, just not that terribly far from Mar-a-Lago, which is famous these days. Uh, mm-hmm. And I got to know not only the golf course architects well, but I. The land planners, the the, the builders, uh, I, I got to know everybody that was involved in the process and educated myself about it as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. The book came out in 1991. It was called Driving the Green, mm-hmm. and it was a, a, as detailed a chronicle as I could make of the design and building of a golf course. And uh, when the book was done, Arthur Hills invited me to join his firm Mm-hmm. and set up a West Coast office because the person who'd been running his work on the West Coast, Keith Foster, had uh, headed out on his own. As It's the typical trajectory of a career in golf design. The young architects work for a big-name architect for a few years until they feel like they've acquired enough to set out on their own. And all you need to be a golf course architect really is a client. There's no formal, professional <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. organizations are standards. Yeah. You don't have to get a license to be a golf course sure. architect. Yeah. You, you well, just you, need a you client. Kind of, you kind of got into it a roundabout way, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, most of the big-name architects are not trained in landscape architecture. They're either players or they're, in the in the case of Robert Trent Jones, Jr. and Reese Jones, his brother, I think they both have degrees in political science from Yale, although Reese did do a graduate degree in the Harvard Graduate School of Design and Landscape Architecture. But, you know, most of the big name, Pete Dye was an insurance salesman with an, you know, an avid interest in golf. Um, And so anyway, um, so I I went to work for Art, uh, and then about eight years later, uh, I was approached uh, by Robert Trent Jones, Jr., and I now knew the difference between junior and senior, um, and the year that Robert Trent Jones Sr. died, actually, he died in June of 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess it was in the, the winter of 99, I went to work for, for Robert Trent Jones Jr., which was a fantastic experience, and, and I went from having worked on projects in the United States to working on projects all over the world during the, the period I was working with, with Bobby, um, mm-hmm. who... Um, you know, has had a great practice now for 50 plus years. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of ironic a little bit because at first he turned you down to work on uh, to to tag team with him to to write a book about one of his projects, 
and now he, he turns around and hires you several years later. Yeah, it was really quite interesting. And when when I ended up retiring, and I retired in 2008 because primarily because of a for personal reasons, my younger brother had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and I wanted to make sure I was spending time with him. And so, uh, and, and I have to say, the travel is wearing. And when you're flying across the ocean once a month or so, uh, mm-hmm. it it wears you out after a while. But I love I love doing it. I still am very grateful for the opportunity I had there. And I met so many interesting and wonderful people and, you know, saw many, so many great places. And, and so, uh, so it looks like you, you were CEO of the Jones Jr. Uh, yeah. Course. Yeah. I was responsible for the company. Uh, and uh, my duties were primarily, you know, the business duties, but um, I participated in the, in the design. I, 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 I love being involved in that process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but my primary duties were to make sure we had the right staff assigned to the projects and yeah. and also to get the jobs in the first place. So I was a salesman and a, an administrator and, and an executive, and we had a wonderful staff and a lot yeah. of great people to work with there. So you were involved during the time period where they got the Chambers Bay job, yeah? Absolutely. In fact, that's a that's a wonderful story in itself, uh, Tom. You know, I know that you spend time in Gearhart and um, uh, that uh, the the Kim Boyle and the Boyle family own that course now. Well, when uh, Joe Boyle, who's now the president of Columbia Sportswear um, and uh, kind of heir apparent there. Not long after Joe graduated from college at the University of Washington, and he's a really good player, I was playing with, with Tim Boyle at Waverly, and Tim mentioned that Joe was looking for a job. And I said, gosh, it would be wonderful if he could come and work for me for a bit. I think he might enjoy it with the golf connection. So he did, and Joe's job was to sniff out opportunities for us. And and I remember, you know, he's the one who discovered that the Chambers Bay opportunity. He said there's a – an RFP up in Washington. Let's, so we flew up and looked at it, and we were just, you know, absolutely blown away. I remember it was in October, I think it was 19, I think it was 2004, but we we got in there on the rainiest day in the history of the state of uh-huh. Washington. Uh-huh. Um, I Which remember it was like a Florida thunderstorm. We we couldn't even drive trying to get uh-huh. back to the airport. Eight and a half inches in one afternoon, uh-huh. as I recall. And but we're out on this site, and there's not a puddle on the site because it's you know 60, 80, 100 feet of sand. Yeah. And I said, Joe, we got to get this one. So we put all our uh, efforts uh, into getting that project. And and as I always attribute the you know the the origins of Chambers Bay to Joe uh, and his ability to you know sniff out good opportunities. Yeah. Well, the rest, the rest is history, as I say, as far as Chambers Bay is concerned, yeah, with the U.S. Open and U.S. Amateur being held there since then. Um, yeah. So is that your first connection with uh, the Boyle family? And again, No, I, I've known uh, – I met Tim originally, I think, in the again, in the late 80s or so. My best friend is a, a wonderful writer in Portland named Larry Colton. And Larry, uh, he had written a book about the Trailblazers, which he doesn't uh, talk too much about. But he had a—he was one of the writers represented by the agent Richard Pine. And um, Larry had 
wonderful book called Goat Brothers, which is a collective biography of himself and, and four of his University of California Berkeley classmates and fraternity brothers, class of 1964. So he wrote a book about these guys, this, this cohort of, of men, uh, and they were all jocks and, and mostly successful. Um, and there was a big party uh, for Larry, uh, something uh, you know promoting Goat Brothers, and T- Tim, Tim and Mary Boyle were there. And Larry introduced us. I don't know how exactly he'd met them. So I had known Tim, who's just such a wonderful person, uh, I'd say since the late 80s, you know, before Columbia was the big, uh, it was an important company in Portland, but it wasn't the big major international brand that it is now. So uh, just for those uh, listening, the Boyle family owns the Columbia Sportswear uh, apparel firm, yes? Yeah, it's actually a publicly traded company now, but it it's mm-hmm. set up the Boyle family have a controlling interest. So Tim is the mm-hmm. CEO um, mm-hmm. and the chairman of the board now. That is, late Mother Gert passed away last year. Mm-hmm. Joe, uh, who's uh, I think Joe is around 40, he's the president of the Columbia brand. So they own Sorrel Footwear, they own Prana, they own mm-hmm. Mountain Hardware. Those are all brands, and Columbia Sportswear, they're all brands under this Columbia uh, entity. And yeah. so Tim is, uh, you know, the, the top of the heap, and, and Joe is responsible for running the Columbia brand. So, yeah, they're, they're I mean, Tim is one of the nicest, kindest, most generous people I've ever mm-hmm. met, and I really am, you know, very uh, honored to, to, to be a, a friend and not just a business uh, relationship with Tim. So as I understand the history, uh, Tim Boyle and and several other people purchased Gerhard Golf Links over there on the northern Oregon coast. Is that mm-hmm. is that how that worked out initially? Yeah, what I remember is I, back in the 90s, I think there were some problems. I don't know the details of that, but I, yeah, Tim and Gerhard has historically been a place where well-to-do Portlanders would have their uh, their beach houses. And so some other people, I think Mike and Brian McMiniman were involved, and um, maybe David Jacobson. I'm not sure exactly, but they they bought it, sort of went through a transition period, um, and then Tim, uh, I think, took it over around 2009, 2010, something like that. Yeah, I, I heard he 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 bought everyone else out, and he yeah, exactly, sole exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so now he's the sole guy. Yeah. So then you. Because I know you assisted with some of the renovation of that Gerhard Golf Links since then. Is that is that correct? That's right. I mean, Tim Tim and I had played golf quite a few times, including uh, Tim and Mike Kaiser put on a fundraiser for a wonderful organization called the Freshwater Trust, which um, is a leading advocate for clean water and use of water resources and not just in the Northwest now, but in the United States. And they, they did the watershed uh, preservation for all the water that uh, the abandoned dunes uh, resort uses. And so Tim and Mike uh, did this fundraiser have done this fundraiser, I think now probably for 15 years or so where people pay to come for a, a three days of, of golf. And I had played in that, uh, 
with Tim had very kindly invited me several times. And so when he got Gearheart Golf Links, he asked me and some other people too, I think he'd had Jim or Bina come up and look at it and ask me to come up and, and see what I would suggest. And mm-hmm. so I, I made some suggestions initially and then uh, Tim had brought in uh, Jason Bangild as the general uh, manager mm-hmm. who's an unbelievably great guy and then one of the very top golf course superintendents in the uh in the in the west coast uh, Forrest goodling uh to be the uh, superintendent so he had assembled an amazing team to you know right from the beginning and then you know david jacobson continues to make uh suggestions but i kind of yeah took on some of the technical like we redesigned the fourth green we built a number of new tee boxes and you know they would i would basically consult with the team and it was certainly not me acting like uh you know the boss of the works in any way. I was I was definitely a, a supplementary figure there. But um, and then we designed that uh, the public putting green between the the ninth green and the and, and sorry the first green and the ninth tee, which has become a wonderful contribution of Tim and Gearheart Golf Links to the town of Gearheart. Yeah. So I'm I'm really happy to have had this association with Gearheart Golf Links. You know, 20 years ago, a Portlander would not drive to the coast just to play Gearhart, but now people will drive over to play the course. It's just Tim has done a spectacular job of, you know, putting that yeah. thing back where it ought to be. Yeah, sure. So, uh, when you, what was your last year at the that Trent Jones's uh, firm? In 2008 is when I uh, when I left the firm. Uh huh. And uh, so you've done uh, some histories. Since then, in fact, I, I don't know if there's a history book per se about Gerhard Golfling, but did you write something about that? Yeah, what? Ha- yeah, I had done some some writing just uh, initially, uh, just doing some research on the course and looking into its origins. Everybody that's doing golf renovation work on a historical course, you know, would want to know what what it was like in the past, and uh, so I did some work with that. Did, wrote some of that, and then. Uh, also did some writing for the website. Um, I mean, I think I'm fairly unusual uh, in having both uh, skills, so to speak, you know, on the the design side and the writing side. Um, And so Jason and uh, Jason Bangild uh, essentially put that book together using a text that I had written. So I wasn't involved in the... um, uh, in the design of the book or anything like that. But the last book that I did, the most recent one I did, which was published in October of last year, is called Creating Calusa Pines. Uh-huh. And that is about, that's a, I think really a world top 100 course in, in South Florida. Uh, its owner certainly thinks it's the best course in Florida, and I know quite a few very good golfers who think the same. Um mm-hmm. And uh, the owner is a guy named Gary Chinsoff, and his daughter lives in Portland. And she found an old used copy of my book, Driving the Green, uh, in Goodwill, probably paid 50 cents for it or something, and gave it to her dad. He read it and really liked it. So he reached out to me and asked if I would write uh, about his golf course. So I, I didn't know the course. I had to confess to him, but I 
It was designed by Mike Hurdson and Dana Fry, who are two good friends. I called both of them, and they said, oh, yeah, it's a, definitely a course that's worth writing about. It's pretty fantastic. And there's a better story as well as that Gary was just about to start construction on the course uh, when he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And mm-hmm. so for the first six or seven months uh, when the course should have been under construction, he was going through really brutal cancer treatment, and he survived it. He's still around, live and healthy. And um, but But the course, once it started construction, that became kind of help drive him, you know, to, to get well. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, I, we, I call Kurt Sampson, the best-selling author of many golf books, the Hogan biography, uh, the eternal summer about the 1960 major championships, uh, uh, had his new book, Roaring Back, the fall and rise of Tiger Woods. Kurt had done three club histories and I knew he had done these club histories. I had never done one, I had written the complete story of of the Iron Horse golf course uh, for driving the green, but not the club history, uh, mm-hmm. not the playing of the course afterwards. It was really the design and building of the golf course. But I called Kurt and he said, if you're going to do one of these, be sure to control everything. He said, make sure you, you, you hire the book designer. You make sure it's designed to your satisfaction. You print it, do everything. He said, because he had done one of the books that he had done, he thought the writing was really, really good. He was very proud of it. But the owner of the course just had it printed by a local printing company mm-hmm. without any particular attention paid to the design. And it just doesn't have the, you know, the quality that we were after. And so the, the Calusa Pines book has been very, very well received. Um, uh, and uh, uh, Ron Witten, the architect, architecture editor of Golf Digest, uh, wrote Gary Chinsoff a, a note saying it's the, it was, he thought it was the best club history he'd ever read, which mm-hmm. is obviously flattering to me. Um, and so based on what a strong reception there was to that book, Kurt and I, uh, he came out to play in a, in, a, in a Gearheart event that Tim puts on every fall. And while we were driving from Portland to Gearheart together, we hatched the idea to do our own publishing company uh, and followed through. And we, Strawn and Sampson is a, uh, is a, it's a Texas LLC, but our operation, operating is out of Portland. And I sort of handle the, the publishing side of things here. And, you know, obviously with the, with the terrible pandemic, uh, nothing is happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, golf clubs are worried about their survival now. They're not going to spend uh, money to do a book, but we think long term it'll it'll recover. We think golf is uh, going to do well as as we begin to come out of this uh, horrible series mm-hmm. of events. So yeah. uh, we will have the company. Yeah. So the uh, website for you and Kurt is called strawnsampson.com. That's S-T-R-A-W-N-S-M, I'm sorry, S-A-M-P-S-O-N.com, strawnsampson.com. And Correct. all the information about your books is on there and what you can do with them and for clubs. Yep, and uh, there's also a link to a place. People can look at the Calusa Pines book online. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the same as holding it. It's a, it's a 
there's, there's something wonderful about its its heft. It's it weighs four and a half pounds. It's it's uh, you know full color. It's it's a beautiful book to look at. I think if I do say so myself. The book mm-hmm. designer is a Portland graphic artist named Keith Carlson, and and everybody has uh, just heaped praise on Keith for the for the look of the book and the feeling of the book. So I I really yeah. felt grateful that he did such a wonderful job. Good, uh, John. Uh, this is great, and I and again I it's an interesting story about how you got into the golf course architect side of it. You kind of went in sort of sideways from a different angle. A very interesting story, uh, especially with the Chambers Bay and the Jones folks. Um, I wanted to thank you again, uh, John, for taking the time this afternoon to uh, talk about uh, your history and uh, what you're up to now. And I appreciate this from Washington Golf. Well, thank you very much for having me, Tom. And, you know, I, I'm very hopeful now that uh, golf is going to play a strong role in helping our country get back to good health. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, John, thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.